We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Jordan Smith, recorded at Equipus Church in Eden. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. Not like a loser, because I think most men live like losers. And most of the time, I think I'm thinking like a loser, living like a loser, crying like a baby. That's mostly what I do, except when I'm in front of other people, then I live like I'm pretending to be a man. But I wonder what it'd be like to really live out of our heart, out of our spirit, and live the life we know we're made for. So ladies, give me a shout. Yeah. All of you ladies, I think you need to learn how to live like a man as well. Because uh, it's not really about gender, it's about vision. It's about faith. You know, I like the saying, the man. How many know that? It's the saying, the man. That applies to men and women. It's, when you, someone says, you're the man, what they mean is you're living out of that true sense of who you really are. How many people have read this story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? Give me a show of hands, otherwise I'm going to have to tell you the story. Okay, enough of you know it. If you haven't heard it, sir, I see you there in the Hawaiian shirt. You haven't heard the story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarves? No? Okay, it's okay. There's a movie made. You won't have to read the book. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. So what happens is Snow White is this pure, innocent, uh, untouchable person, right? Then she gets threatened by the evil witch, and she ends up running and hiding in the woods. That's what you did, right, as well. When you get threatened, that's what you do. You run and hide, right? You know, whether you're a man or woman, that's what you do. You run and hide. And then instead of growing up into something awesome, uh, what Snow White does is she sends the dwarves out to work. <laughs> right? So she hides her true self. That's what humans do. We hide our true self, and then we send out dwarves. Right? So that's why sometimes, ladies, that you're, you feel like you're dealing with dopey rather than your actual husband. Uh, <clears throat> you know what, what, what happens is, what do you do? You send dopey to work and grumpy comes home. Right? But the, the challenge is to leave the woods and join yourself together with the strong self. There's two people inside you. There's this pure, innocent, untouchable self, and then this murderous, warlike, powerful version of yourself, whether you're a man or a woman, right? And as you get older, what you want is to bring those two things together. You can't live your life as, a, as an innocent virgin. You can't live your life as just a warrior. You need to bring these two senses of yourself together rather than just sending the dwarves out. We've got to live like a man. If you say live like a man, okay, even if you're a woman or if you're not sure, just live like a man, right? Okay, so this is a scripture from Ecclesiastes chapter 9. And I was thinking, how do you live like a man? And I was looking for the verse in the Bible that says, whatever your hand finds to do, to do it with all of your might. Who's heard that scripture? And then I bumbled into it in the message translation because that can happen online. You can end up in the wrong translation. And I bumbled it into the message and I thought this looked even better. So is it going to go on the screens? Yeah, cool. We'll read it from there. Okay, it says this. It says, seize life. Eat bread with gusto. How many of you can I get a witness? Yeah, a bit of bread's all right. Drink wine with a robust heart. Right? Now, it doesn't matter about whether you like, come on, the thing you're doing, come on, do it. If you're going to eat a sandwich, eat a sandwich. Right? If you're going to have a glass of Coca-Cola or lemonade or wine, then drink it with a robust heart. Right? God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Dress festively every morning. I feel like, well, maybe. Don't skimp on colours and scarves. Some of you are like, I don't know if you're really living up to that, Jordan, with your three wise men shirt and black trousers. 
Well, if you haven't seen me before, I would have been wearing this shirt. Usually I wear a black jacket as well to go with my black pants and my black shoes because black is very slimming. But I, what I found recently is I, I managed to came out and sell some great socks for 12 bucks. And I found that you don't need to go overboard. Don't skimp it either. Also don't go overboard, right? And you just need a little bit of festivity every now and then, right? What about when you're choosing colours for your house? You know, you're choosing wall colours. What, what do you mostly choose? The safest thing you can, right? Something neutral. Everyone says something neutral. Imagine if you live your life that way. Well, what's a neutral? Imagine you go to a restaurant, watch it eat, get a recommendation from the waiting staff. Oh, what's the most neutral thing? Oh, well, we could boil it up some plain rice, right? Come on, we should live life with a robust sort of a heart. Is there, have we got more of this one? It does go on. It says, relish life with the spouse you love. You can read between the lines if you're married. Each and every day of your precarious life. Each day is God's gift and it's all you get in exchange for the hard work of staying alive. Make the most of each one. The only thing you get is if you stay alive, you get another day. So you might as well wear spotty socks, right? You might as well relish life with your beautiful wife. Whatever turns up, grab it and do it and heartily. This is your last and only chance at it. There's neither work to do and there's no thoughts to think in the company of the dead. And that is where you are most certainly headed. Amen? Because here's the truth. You are going to die and you don't know when. But if you get to wake up this morning, let's live life festively and heartily and in a robust spirit. Let's grab hold of things to do and do them with all of our might. Amen? Yeah? Well, I want to read uh, this uh, from the story of Paul, and we'll get through as much of this as we have time for this morning, and then tonight I've got more points. So there'll be a certain number of points this morning, an as yet undisclosed number. I'll get to at least one, all right? And then the rest of the five we'll do tonight. So is that okay? Okay, how many people have heard of the Apostle Paul from the Bible? Yeah, he started his life, his name was Saul, but when he started to follow Jesus, God changed his name to Paul. And you can read about the whole story of his life from Acts chapter 9 through to the end of Acts. Acts chapter 1 to 9 is about the establishment of the church, and Acts chapters 9 to the end is really about Paul and his friends extending the influence of the gospel ultimately into all of the world. And he's someone, I think, in the Bible who best shows us how we could live with a robust heart how we could best live taking advantage of every day. He lived with vision, he lived with purpose, he lived with passion. But when you read through his story, there's actually a few instances where you think, oh, it's not always, I mean, it's not always Gary Vee and Tony Robbins in Paul's life. Like he's real, if you don't know who those people are, it's okay. Uh, he's actually also a real person. Like he had real challenges, real struggles. So um, grab your Bible and I want you to have a, a Quickly grab and turn to Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. And then while you do that, I'm going to tie up my shoelace so I don't fall over. I need to get some Velcro shoes, I reckon. So, so much. Such a time saver. Such a time saver. Um, the Apostle Paul in the Bible, he, he without a doubt, uh, apart, from, apart from Jesus Christ, if you think of him as a human, but apart from Jesus Christ, Paul is the most influential um, character in the, in, the, in the whole history of the church. 
more influential than anyone who came after him. Every single church leader after the Paul the Apostle had built their influence on the basis of what he did, how he did it, what he wrote, and how he wrote it. He's easily the most influential Christian who's ever lived, the most influential Christian leader who's ever lived. But actually, there's a strong argument to be made that the Apostle Paul is actually the most influential leader that ever there was. One of the most or the most influential human beings that ever was. His system of thought is what you're learning from today. His way of approaching life is what you're learning from today. Thousands of years later, across the other side of the world, we're being influenced this morning by the Apostle Paul. And I think it's largely to do with how he lived. It's largely to do with the attitude that he had. It wasn't just the brilliance of his thought, although that was brilliant. But if you read through his story, it's what he did in difficult moments that determined the influence and the impact of his life. What you do on holiday is not as important as what you do on bad days, right? What you do when you wake up feeling grumpy is more important in terms of the influence that you're gonna have than what you do when you wake up feeling happy. And Paul really shows us this right from the very start of his journey following Jesus. Is that okay? So we'll read it. It's in Acts chapter nine. This is verse one to nine. I'm gonna read from the New Living Translation. Uh, and it talks about, it says this, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and he was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So that probably needs a little bit of explanation. This is how he started, right? As a devout Jew, he was really anti-Jesus. This, that you can't get any more anti than this. He was, he, was, he was really, really keen. I like that. He was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Like this is a bad person, right? So he went to the high priest and he gets letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for cooperation, so help, to arrest any of the followers of the way. That's the best definition of, best word to describe Christianity, the way, it's a way. Right, so often we think of it as a belief system, and there are beliefs associated with it, but Christianity is a way of living, right? It's a, it's a way to walk, not a way to think, right? It's a way to live. Uh, he, he was looking for people of the way who he found there, and he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. As he was approaching Damascus on his mission, a light from heaven suddenly shines down around him. He falls to the ground off his donkey, and he hears a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So this is a dramatic moment, right? He's on his way and he just gets knocked down to the ground by a bright light and a voice calls out. He calls back, Lord, who are you? And the voice replies, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up, go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless because they heard the sound of somebody's voice, but they didn't see anybody. Right? So they hear the sound. Other translations say they hear a voice, but they couldn't really hear what it was saying. They knew that something happened to Paul or Saul, but they didn't know exactly what it was. So Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand into Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and he did not eat or drink. That's the end of the reference. Thank you, guys. <laughs> so this is this guy Saul, right? So he's, try, he's going to Damascus to kill some Christians, capture them, bring them back in chains to have them tried. So he's seriously going hard out against what, who Jesus was. 
because he was going hard out about what he believed, right? At the time, what he believed was completely wrong. So he has this encounter with Jesus where he's knocked down to the ground, he's blinded, and God speaks to him. Now, the reality is this is how Paul begins his journey. He begins his journey on the ground and blind. So he, this is how you start off becoming influential. This is how you start off living life with a robust heart. This is how you start off making a difference. This is how you start off to live a life of meaning and purpose. You start knocked down and you start blind. So point number one is this, unless you're prepared to start blind, you'll never start. Right, Because the reality is most of us are committed to a couple of basic truths. If you were questioned about these truths, you would deny them. So if I was to ask um, Austin, if I was to ask him, I was to say, uh, Austin, do you think that you know everything? He would say, well, of course not. You know, I'm a humble sort of honest sort of a guy, right? And then if I was to say to this, well, Austin, of the things that you do know, do you think that all of them are 100% correct? And he would say, well, you know, maybe, maybe not. Maybe uh, probably some of the things that I think are true, maybe I need to think about later on. You know, I, you know I'm not, you know, not that dogmatic or whatever, right? So that's what Austin would say if you question him. But if we were to question Brigitte and we would say to Brigitte, what happens when you say something to Austin that's different to what he thinks? Right? None of us, none of us think, none of us will say that we think we know everything, but we behave like we think we do. Right? Because I don't, I, I would say, no, I don't know everything. But if you tell me something that's different to what I think, I'll tell you that you are wrong. Right? And if you tell me something else that's different to what I think, I would tell you that you are wrong. Right? Even up front, I would say, no, I don't, I don't know everything. But actually, how I live my life, I live my life as if everything I already know is everything there is to know. I live my life like everything that I know is correct and anything that's different to what I already think is wrong. So every new idea that comes to me, rather than allowing it to blind me, to knock me down and for me to start again and rethink things, I just dismiss it. So when Paul gets knocked down, he says, who are you? What should I do? And then the voice, Jesus says, come on, Jesus, go to Damascus and wait. I'll tell you what. What do you do when you get knocked off the horse? What do you do when you don't know what to do next? Well, what most people do is they stick to what they already know. Things start work, things, things, are, things aren't working out at work. Things aren't working out in relationships. Things aren't working out in terms of you finding real purpose and real meaning for your life. What do you do? Carry on as normal. Keep turning up to work. Pay off the mortgage. I wonder if you stop and think in those moments where life knocks you down. Stop and think, what are you saying, God? Am I going in the right direction? Because what Paul found out was he was going in, in completely the wrong direction. He was going in exactly the wrong direction and he needed God to knock him down. Now, Paul, before God knocked him down, Paul was a devout follower of God, but he had it all wrong. But not us, eh? We've got it all right. We've got it all right. Right? The challenge is if we're going to live lives that really matter, if we're going to live lives like people who are robust and focused and dedicated and committed, lives of real meaning, we have to start out blind. I don't know. Have you ever met a baby? We were discussing some new babies. I don't know if you've ever met a baby. Right? I don't know. Hey, how you doing, baby? Nothing. 
What do you want to do, baby? Nothing. Right? Where, where should we go? Nothing. Well, do you know what babies can do? Nothing. Well, nothing helpful anyway. They just eat and do poos, right? The reality is that's all they do, right? But so often we want to start out as a fully grown whatever. We don't want to go through the learning stage. We don't want to go through the baby stage. I don't know how, as a pastor, how hard it is to get people to join in to, an, a, to a small group. Really hard because everyone knows everything already. So why would I go to a group and discuss things with everybody else? Right? Well, I already know everything already. Well, I think it's hard to get some people to small groups. And if this offends you, I know, if don't let it offend you, let, let this challenge your thinking. Uh, sometimes it's hard to get people into a small group because actually they know they don't know everything, but they don't like that feeling, right? Where what they think they know or what that might not be right gets undermined by something brilliant that I say on the video or something that comes up in the group conversation, where somebody sees something that actually challenges what you believe about life or yourself or your behavior or how you think. We don't like that, do we? How many people like being blind? If you play those games where you're blindfolded and they spin you around, is it fun? It's fun for everybody else, right? It's a really weird feeling not having sight when you're used to having sight, right? Because everything, everything about you wants to keep things as you imagine them rather than seeing how they really are. And when, you're, when you see how things really are, you have to start again like a baby. Has anyone ever learned anything? One of the challenges with learning something, if you want to do something really well, let's say you want to be a great driver. Let's say you're 16 and you're starting out driving. If you want to be a really great driver, do you know what I have to do for quite a long time first? You have to be a really bad driver. Right? You, do you want to be a really great dad? Do you know what the first few years of being a, on the way to being a great dad looks like? looks like being a really useless dad. I can remember when our first daughter was born, Madeline, we came back from the UK and, and Madeline, she was born in Auckland. And then what happens, which was, was all a bit newsy to me, right? The baby wakes up all hours of the day and night. I don't know if you're aware of this. You should note this down, young people. The baby wakes up in the middle of the night and the baby's hungry or the baby's changing or a combination of those two, usually both of those things. There's a bit of a process that happens on. It all happens in the dark, right? And so I, I wasn't working because I, I left my job in London. We, came, we had a few months in New Zealand and I was going back to a another job and so I thought well I'm not working so I can be helpful right I don't know about you though but once I've been lying down asleep for a few hours um, it takes when I wake up it takes more than a couple of minutes for the signals to be restored there's a the signal system between the brain and like the ends of the limbs takes a wee while for everything to sort of be booted up, you know. Some, some of you are on a fast, solid-state computer system. This, the thing running, whatever I'm doing, is, is very slow and it whirs a lot. And so I said, oh, I'll get the baby. And I so I walk down the hallway, <laughs> pick up the baby, carry the baby back down the hallway, pass the baby to Chrissy, because I wasn't able to do the feeding for obvious reasons. The, um, <laughs> it's a funny question. <laughs> Funny thing, you know, when because um, we have four children, so when our youngest was born, the, the older children get to watch at different levels, right? So Madeline, who's the baby I'm talking about now, she was eight when her little sister was born, right? And so she used to watch Chrissy feeding the baby, and she said to Chrissy one day, "Why don't you do both sides at the same time?" <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, I was carrying Madeline into the thing, and after a couple of nights, after a couple of nights of what 
I can see now was a terrifying ordeal for Chrissy. She decided that it'd be best if I just slept through and that she would be carrying the baby down the hallway from now on, right? Because it was less traumatic uh, to not have my help. Because that's the reality is if you're going to learn something, you have to do it badly for a long time. And you know, the more important the thing is that you're learning, the longer you have to do it badly. Yeah? Yeah, you learned to tie your shoelaces, right? Didn't take long. You can't even remember learning. If you can remember learning, you were late to it, right? (laughs) If you were in the fourth form and you were learning to tie your shoelaces, other people were ahead of you. But it's not important now. It's about moving forward. Now, learning to tie your shoelaces, since the invention of Velcro, learning to tie your shoelaces is almost completely unnecessary, right? You don't need to. You can just get those barter bullets with the Velcro. You're they still make them, you'll be all right, okay? So it's not that important, so you learn it easily and quickly. But the things that are really important take a long time. And if you're gonna be a, if you're gonna live a life that's robust and that's powerful, that's influential, you're gonna have to learn some hard things that take a long time to learn. And you're only gonna learn them by doing them really badly for a long, long time. Things like leading, things like taking initiative. Things like carrying a vision, things like holding a dream in your heart. You're going to have to do it for a long time if you're going to live a life that's robust, to live a life that makes a difference in the world. Is that all right? So my, my advice to you is this, is that you should start now. Now, you should start now living the, the better life than the one you have. You should start now living a life with greater purpose and greater vision. And, you, and you're saying to me, well, I can't really see what I should do. I can't really see where I'm going. I can't really see what the next level is. And I'm saying to you, that's exactly right. You can't see. Do you know what you need is you need people to grab you by the hand and lead you onto the next stage. Can you imagine this Paul's this great leader? terrorist type murderer dude and he arrives in Damascus like this he was led by the hand I'm adding the walking and the funny face right we don't like to arrive anywhere looking like that do we we want to look like these guys on the billboard at the airport I'm like man if I could have teeth like that I'll go there it's like, yeah, you guys are your own best advertisements, yeah. <laughs> Lovely to see you guys. Anyhow, the, um, here's, the, here's the reality. The next level for you will start off with you looking foolish. That's why you won't get to the next level, because you don't like to look foolish. Oh, but, I, you know, but I'm middle-aged already. Do you know, if you're middle-aged, the, the, the reason middle-aged is hard is because you don't like looking foolish not because middle age is hard. Looking foolish is hard. And what happens is things run out, right? You do this for a while, then it runs out. You've got this idea, then it runs out. And when things run out, you either live a life with nothing or you find a new thing. I know that doesn't make much sense, but just nod your head if it makes a little bit of sense. Nod your head if it makes a little bit of sense. Don't shake your head at me, people. Just nod or don't. Yeah, yeah, it makes a little bit of sense. We've got to move forward, right? And you only move forward on the basis of what? On what basis are you going to move forward? This is where it gets really scary. If it wasn't scary already, this is where it gets really scary. You only move forward on the basis of the voice in your head. Correct? All the people around you, they'll hear our voice, but only you get to hear what it says. Challenging enough? 
Ah, uh, not really. <laughs> what if what if the voice in your head tells you to do something that everyone else thinks is stupid, like walking blind into Damascus? Right? The challenge is you won't do it, right? And you end up stuck where you always were without moving forward. And this morning's sermon is about how do you live like a man? And to live like a man means that you've got a vision for the future that you can't see yet. And you walk towards it blindly, hoping that things will work out. We've got time for point number two if we go really, really fast. I'll, I'll do a compressed version of it. We won't read the story. Well, he gets to Damascus. You can read this in your own time for homework. Write it down. I'll be checking next time I'm here that everyone did it. Right? Later in the chapter, he goes to Damascus and God tells another Christian to, to go around and see him and pray for him. So the Christian comes around and prays for him and the, what looked like scales falls off his eyes and he can see again. So there's a big change in Paul. He goes from trying to capture and destroy Christians to now he starts preaching about Jesus all around the city. The problem is there were other people who hate Christians there. So Paul begins preaching about Jesus and the other leaders in Damascus, the religious leaders in Damascus, they decide that they're going to catch Paul and kill him. Right? So he went from being the he went from being it to being chased in the game here, right? And now they're chasing him, they're going to capture him and kill him. So he starts out blind and did things get better quickly or did they get worse quickly? <laughs> they get worse quickly. Right? Does that mean you're on the wrong track? I feel like God's telling me I should change my major to X, Y, or Z. I'm going to change my major to X, Y, or Z, and things are going to get much easier. I feel like God's telling me I should stop my salary job and start contracting. This is what I did recently. Stop being a pastor in a local church and start as a contractor. I do this on Sundays when people invite me. When 35 other people said no, then I come along and preach, right? Fortunately, there's a lot of people saying no, so there's plenty of opportunities out there for everybody. And then in the week between Mondays and Fridays, I do brand strategy consulting. If you don't know what that is, it's all made up. And it's marketing. It's all marketing. Uh, and I do uh, mental health training in the workplace. Right? So when I started, it was brilliant. It was brilliant, except I, could, you know I, mean? I could wake up when I wanted to wake up. I could do all the one each day. Right? The only problem was that there was nobody who was paying me anymore. Right, that's fine. I didn't mind it, but the bank—they took a dim view of the whole plan. They didn't like it at all. The thing that they didn't like was the mortgage wasn't being paid. Yeah, which is a, is a real shame. I explained to them all the time that I didn't care because I was feeding my children and I care about paying the mortgage. And they said, "Well, that's fair enough." Uh, and I was also—and I said to them, I said to the bank manager, "I said, look, I know how this works. I know if this carries on like this, you guys are going to get very upset and you'll sell our house. But I know you're not going to lose any money, so I don't know why you're upset." Right? I'm the shot. I'm not upset. You just calm down. We'll all be fine, right? How many people know that 18 months is a long time, but it works out in the end, okay? Think when you start following the voice inside your head, that's the voice of God calling you to something different. Things get worse before they get better. And in fact, they don't get better, they get more meaningful. They don't get easier, they get more robust. They don't get, they don't get sunshine and happy, they get more real. And real also means rainy weather, right? And so Paul's being chased by the bad guys and then, and then what happens is they guard, in, they guard in the gates and he has to figure out a way of escaping the city. So they're locking the gates at night and then during the day they're guarding it, waiting for him to, to leave the city and then they can capture him and kill him. So he... 
his friends hear about it, the other Christians hear about it, and they say, hey, we've got to get you out of here, get you somewhere safe. And so they put him in a basket and they lower him down over the wall. Which is, you read that, when you read that in the Bible, you're just like, okay, so get in a basket and lower down over the wall. It's not like it's not a cable car. That's not what we're talking about. When it says that they put him in a basket and they lowered him down over the wall, do you know what it was? It was a basket tied to a rope with a few mates just, we'll get you to safety. But come on, when things go from, from bad to worse to worse, right? Do you know what you need? You just need a few mates who will let you lower you down over the wall. Bring you down from that difficult spot. Do you know, um, I, that's what I love about Invite Sunday. That's what I love about church. You watch church if it's not a bunch of mates who help you out of trouble when it really, really happens, right? They lower you down out of the wall. But the challenge is, with the challenge with living a robust life, living life like a man, you have to start out blind and you have to trust other people. There are two things that are not much fun, eh? You know, there's a, there's, I'm trying to th- I was trying to think what the reason was. Uh, why is it that we don't trust other people? And I thought about it for a long time. Well, not a long time. long time for me, two minutes. <laughs> and I realised, it came to mind, I realised why I don't trust other people. And we don't, generally you don't trust other people. is because other people are terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's other people that let you down, right? It's other people who say mean things about you in primary school. It's other people who knock your lunch out of your hands when you're trying to eat it in a primary school. This was a particularly bad scenario for me. You know when you order a pie and then someone bumps you from behind and you drop the pie and you don't need to get to order a pie once a month because your parents are mean and nasty. Are... <laughs> I remember at school someone jumped on a tomato sauce packet. Great thing. Our school, all sorts of things happen at, great things happen at school. Though. Someone jumped on a tomato sauce packet and all sprayed out all across me. Like... But what was I wearing at school? All my only good clothes, right? Because you have to look good, right? So all of your good clothes are ruined in one moment. <laughs> this is why we don't trust other people, because of the prevalence of tomato sauce packets, right? We either get rid of all the tomato sauce packets or we just have to toughen up a little bit and realise that, yes, sometimes the people lowering us down the, out of the basket will let us go, right? And you hit the ground and it's ugly from there, right? But... It's either we trust the other people or the other, you know, the bad guys catch us. And the reality is we never get to move into our purpose. I want to tell you this straight. You never get to move into a life that means more than it currently does, that's more real than it currently is. You never get to get into that real life that you know God's calling to you, that the voice in your head is calling to you, unless you can trust some other people. Amen? I think that's enough talking for today. All those in favour? Aye. Motion carried. Uh, we didn't ask for any nays because uh, you can come back tonight and you'll hear the four other points. And the other points I want to suggest are even better than the one I shared this morning. This morning's ones were just to get wet your appetite. No, they're not. They're all brilliant. They're all brilliant. Uh, the musicians are on their way. Good on you, musicians. Look at them. There's some quality bass playing today. I thought it was awesome. How many people agreed that? Good bass playing. Yeah, yeah. Is he always that good? Yeah, it was, it was smooth. It was awesome. It was awesome. But, yeah. It's always good to let the musicians, if you are a professional speaker like I am, it's always good to let the musicians come up without allowing it to distract everybody. Just help me to see how I did that. Don't, don't do it like that. Don't do it like that. Do it like the other people do it. Just imagine they're not there. <laughs> Kale, you need, to, you need to not look so obvious. Yeah, don't laugh. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Um, let me pray uh, for you. Is that all right? 
Maybe close your eyes, bow your heads for a second. And I, I just know, I know what it's like to get knocked off my horse. I know what it's like to suddenly realise I don't really see what my life's supposed to be about. I also know what it's like to be going in the wrong direction and actually need the voice of God to redirect me. And I'm, I just want to pray for people this morning. And as I've been talking, you're like, yeah, there's something in you that sort of leaps up and says, yeah, I want to live a life that means, means more than the life I'm currently living. That's more real. Maybe that also means it's more difficult, but it's more real. It's got a bit more challenge to it. Maybe you're a young person, you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to commit my life to living with purpose and with focus. Maybe you're my age or older and, you're, and you're, you've come to the end of a thing, a, a cycle of purpose or a cycle of meaning, and you actually need to branch out and reach out again and continue to believe. One of the great things about this church is there's a, there's a long history of older people with genuine faith continuing to initiate, continuing to believe, continuing to march forward. Let's continue that tradition to be a church that influences well beyond Dunedin, even well beyond New Zealand because of the faith that we carry here. So if you're here and you're thinking, actually, this Father's Day is a good opportunity to, 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 to strengthen your insides and say, yeah, I'm going to live that life of purpose. I'm going to pray for you if you're feeling like that. So just maybe identify it in yourself. Maybe you want to lift your hands and just where you're sitting and I'll pray for you. Holy Spirit, I just thank you that you're here in this place and you're in the, in the Mosgiel environment as well. Lord, I pray, Lord, for everyone responding to what's been preached this morning, responding to your Holy Spirit that's speaking to them in their heart. Lord, I pray that for faith and strength, Lord God, that you'd, you'd surround them about, Lord God, for people who are reaching out or even beginning to step out, but they're stepping out blind. Lord, I pray that you'd make each foot fall sure. Lord God, I pray you'd put the right person alongside to hold them by the hand and lead them into the next thing. Lord, I pray that as we trust others, as we build relationships in our small groups and across our church community, Lord God, that we'd be able to, the sort of people who rescue each other, help each other, lead each other, forward. Believe in each other. Believe in purpose. Believe in faith. We pray in Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.